Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode number 12 of That's What B Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by Brittany Mollis is here at Bird's Eye View. Hello, Britt. Hello, Bree. And, and Meredith everyone. is with us. <laughs> Meredith is also with us tonight at MKN Sports. Hi, Mare. Hello, ladies. We are not live tonight. We're also recording on a different night than we typically do, but it actually worked out perfectly because today, this is the two, two, Wednesday. It's a Wednesday today. Wow. Today is National Girls and Women in Sports Day. So it actually seems fitting that we're recording on this day. Um, and we wanted to really center this episode just talking about our experiences, um, our professional and personal journeys. Um, we know that our audience appreciates our authenticity, and we want to talk about our stories, how we got our start, how we found each other, women in sports, the challenges of this, and Girl Gang Clee. So we are so excited to talk about this tonight. Yeah. A show about us. A Who show about thought? us. That's right. The creators. Aww. Um, so I wanted to kick something off really quickly about just sports in general because I'm raising a daughter. I know I talk about little dude a lot. Um, I like to keep my daughter close to my heart a little bit, but I just wanted to share. I um, do some work in really making this day a bigger deal than what it is. It doesn't seem to get as much, um, I guess, velocity in in this social media realm. So the company that I work with have been trying to make this day, um, make it louder for girls and women and celebrating them and sports because I believe, we believe that sports make us better. Um, so I wanted to talk about my daughter a little bit because I grew up playing sports. We've talked about this. It shaped who I am today. I loved playing sports. I loved being on a team. I loved the camaraderie, the friendships that I built from it. And now I'm raising a daughter who is six and a half and she's just getting into sports, obviously very young, but she's not super competitive, which is the opposite of me and how I was. So it's been very different raising a child that her personality is just much different than mine playing sports. And she is playing basketball this year. She moved up to a different age level. So it's more serious, I would say, um, in actually teaching the right skills, um, you know, trying to play defense as best as they can, trying to dribble and not travel, um, going the right way, like all, all of these little things that are easy for us adults to understand is a lot for a six and seven year old. So um her season is actually almost over. There's two weeks left. But you guys, I saw her blossom into this like competitive little basketball player over the last few weeks. And I, been, I know. Has she been breaking ankles? I don't know. But it's like something clicked a week ago. She was at practice and she was just like really into it. She was swishing everything. And then the next day during her game, she we missed the first quarter because I was late. <laughs> so there was that. <laughs> so my fault. Um, so she went in in the second quarter and she scored right off the bat. And like they don't keep score or points or anything, but she made a basket. She was super excited. Next trip down the court, she gets a rebound, makes a basket. Oh, my gosh. Next trip down the court, her little like girlfriends on her team pass her the ball. She like misses it. 
a guy goes to get it and she like took it from him. I've never <gasps> seen her do that. Usually she like hands the ball to the other person because she's oh just so nice. Oh my gosh. Did you I'm talk so to her afterwards her. and ask like what happened? Yeah, I, I was sitting there and I was like almost in tears. I was just so proud of just oh. like her. It, I saw her confidence just like shoot through the roof of like being sure of herself and <sighs> just going for it without a care in the world and being happy while doing it. <laughs> Um, so I did ask her and she was like, was I aggressive? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, you were aggressive. I was like, did you have fun? She was like, yeah, I really like basketball. I was like, okay, we can do this. That was my sport. I like, I'm all in on this girl. Now I'm sad because I felt like Layla was like my kindred spirit. <laughs> where like you play just for the fun and who cares who wins. I once played in a basketball game um, when I was in eighth grade. I played. I I went to St. Stephen's, and our big rival was Mount Carmel. So we were playing, and there were. Let me just tell you, there were games where we didn't score a single point. Like there were four <laughs> quarters, and there were five girls on the team, and we did not score a single point. Actually, we did that against um, St. What was it? St. Patrick's and Hubbard, and this girl who was phenomenal. And she had one arm. Like, she was just like the, the like, uh, you know, Chris Paul out there with one arm. And, like, she, they, they killed us. But the one time we were playing <laughs> against Mount Carmel. And, you know, me, I'm very non-competitive. Like, I'm just going to go out here and have a good time. But there was this girl who <laughs> my dad called Big Country. <laughs> And the whole game. Great nickname. I, I know, Big Country. Big to country. this day, he still calls her Big Country. We'll see her around town sometimes. And she kept like pushing me and shoving me and just being a bully because she didn't, she was jealous that, you know, I was sort of talking to one of the Mount Karma boys or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, so I, I, we were like in the, in the paint and I was trying to like box her out at one point and she wouldn't get off me. Guys, I kid you not, I elbowed her in the mouth, like <laughs> as hard as my little body could elbow someone. She fell to the floor, and I looked up at my parents, and I screamed at them and said, I got her. And like <laughs> I turned into a monster in that moment. And they're like, my parents were like, what the hell just happened? They were not proud. They were not like Brie proud of Layla. It was like, oh, my God. Who is this monster demon that we raised? But that was the That's... most competitive I ever got. That was it. It's funny, though, how it happens in that moment. And I will say, too, like, this league is co-ed. So it's not just girls versus girls. It's there's girls, boys, whatever. And she does have, I think, maybe four or five girls on the team. And at, at the point when she was in the game, they were, like, it, there were three girls, I think, in with her. So it was four girls on the floor, one boy. And the girls were, like, passing it to each other. They were, like, cheering for each other. They were high-fiving. I literally was like, I'm going to lose it here. Like, sitting, watching these <laughs> six- and seven-year-olds play basketball because I am just so happy and proud with how confident they are, how, I don't know, like, you know, like, in a few years, she's going to be probably in that awkward stage and not feeling that confident anymore. So I just wanted oh, to yeah. embrace that moment of just – her being so sure of herself because I just know that obviously the teenage years are probably going to be fleeting. Yeah. Like aren't there moments where you just want to like bottle them up and like keep them forever? Yes. Like, I just, I wish that there were like 
a way that you could do that with kids where you could sometimes I look at my nieces and I'm like man you know so many months go by in between like visits and everything that like when I see them again like they just look like different people and they have all these new interests and they're just so much different than the last time and I feel like I miss so much and like every time I see them I just want to bottle up all these uh, these little moments and just keep them on a shelf for the rest of my life and you know yes I'm so happy that you get to like experience that and, and be so proud in that moment and you recognize it for what it is. I love it. It's the best. Yes. And even like watching other kids, you know, with her, it's not even just about my, my daughter. It's like I get to witness that yeah. all around. And, you know, I, I want to be more involved. Like I want to coach and I have coached her before in both basketball and soccer um, because I do feel like there there are women in coaching positions there's a lack of them in coaching positions. There's a lot of men coaching our daughters. And, you know, I, I, I also tweeted about that. And I had a lot of responses like, well, go be one. And, it, you know, it's, it's so easy to say that. It's right. so easy to say, yeah, go be one. just fit it in your not busy at all schedule, <laughs> Brie. What else do you have to do? Well, we were we were texting about this because that's that's the response I was getting. And I was trying to explain and I've talked to my dad and my mom about this as well. But, you know, at this stage of my children's lives and their age, like this is the time where women in for the most part are are the ones managing their household. Like the amount of guilt I feel of just working a full time job or maybe not making it home in time for dinner or doing this podcast at 9 p.m. and maybe my kid gets out of bed. Like there's just so much guilt that wraps up into me. Adding something else on my plate on top of all of that, it's overwhelming. And I don't think men understand that that's what women deal with for the most part or moms specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think for men, it's easy for them to go coach and be like, oh, well, my wife's got everything taken care of because we do. We typically always do. We have everything like all our ducks in a row. And yeah. I will say this about coaching. So I I didn't get into like true team sports until I was an adult and started playing softball. But growing up, I was on swim and dive team. Um, and I started coaching after a while. And the thing about coaching is that it's not just go there, teach, and leave. <laughs> yes. You are thinking about those kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're second guessing everything you said to them during practice. You're constantly thinking about okay, what can, like, this kid is struggling with this skill. What can I do to help? Because that was, you know, at least for diving, that's what it was for me. Like, okay, we have this one kid who's afraid, like, I've got a six-year-old kid who's afraid to go into the water backwards, but he needs to be able to learn how to back dive in order to compete. What can I do to help him learn how to back dive without a spotter, you know? And, like, that's just constantly going through your mind all the time. And when you're a mom and a wife and working a full-time job and doing a thing like a podcast, having other kids on your mind 24 hours a day, that's just too much. It's so much. And I honestly, and I wonder if men, when they coach, do that as well. Like, do they think about those kids all day, every day? Because I know when I was coaching, I never stopped thinking about those kids. And I was a teenager when I was coaching. I was like an 18 yeah. year old. You know, I had no clue about childcare or children or how to deal with people younger than <laughs> 13 or 14. But here I was trying to teach five and six year olds athletic skills. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're right. There's definitely an, um, I think that's where like women, I think just in general are more empathetic. Um, I think emotionally they're invested um, in children. That's why I think a lot of women go into the teaching field or you see more women in the teaching field. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I would say like, yeah, Meredith, I mean, I, I coached last year and two years ago, the six and under team, which are toddlers playing, trying to play basketball, which at that point it's just, (laughs) here's a ball, try to dribble it, try to shoot it. That's all that we were really teaching them. Um, but it was also co-ed. So it was a mixture of, um, little girls and little boys. And I thought about it all the time of just like last year I had the sweetest little girl and I swear she was only three years old and she had the cutest little smile with little dimples. And she came every Saturday with her little patent leather Jordans on. And I was just like this girl, she could barely, she could barely throw the ball in the air, but she tried so hard and she smiled the entire time. I just, I, I still think about her to this day of like, I wonder what she's doing. I wonder if she still likes playing basketball. Like, does she still have Jordans? Like, what is she? Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But yeah, it's, it's, coaching is fun. And I think maybe I'll get more involved as the kids get older. But at this stage in my life right now, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my parents still talk about Because like my mom coached me in softball when I was little and my dad coached my brother. And they to this day, they still talk about little kids that they coached. Like yes, it's it's crazy how that part it just never leaves them. Like they no. they remember specifics about these people, and it's just you know they're all grown up now. And some of them, you know, unfortunately, the area that we live in is not great, and you know some of them have had like tragic lives and tragic endings and stuff. But like. They, they have special places in their hearts that just yes. never leaves, no matter how old they get. So coaching, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Do you totally want to hear a fun story about one of the kids that I coached when I was a dive coach? Yeah. Yes. So this kid was, oh gosh, how old is he? Probably five or six. He was really young. And when they're at that stage of diving, we're literally just teaching them the basics, like how to jump, what an approach is, how to... Um, I think one of the most difficult things about teaching someone how to dive is body awareness because children have zero body awareness. And in order to do these dives, you really have to understand how the movements of your arms, your legs, your abs, your core, everything, how it manipulates you in the air. So that's pretty much what we're teaching them. We're teaching them how to keep their muscles tight, how to enter the water properly. And I had this one kid who was just terrified to go into the water head first absolutely terrified and we did every walk up skill practice spot we possibly could but you know they're kids we can't put our hands on them uh you know to an extent and so after probably like a month of coaching this kid five days a week and him refusing to go into the water head first his dad would be at dive practice every day watching us and he could sense us getting frustrated so one day the kid is just standing up there and he's shaking and he's scared and the dad just gets annoyed. So the dad, without even saying anything, and me and my other co-coach, we we're looking at each other we're like, what the fuck is going on? This dad just walks up the diving board, grabs the kid by the ankles, holds him over the water and drops him <gasps> in the water head oh first. My gosh. And I swear to you guys. Like, you want to talk about something clicking in Layla this week? Something clicked in the, this kid that day. He was no longer scared uh, to go in the water head first. And within a week, he learned, like, three times as many skills as every other kid in his age group. Wow. And he was, like, one of our top divers within weeks. Wow. Like, it was... And I just, like... And you want to talk about it, it... I will never forget that. I will never forget that child. And I will never forget his father. Wow. Yeah. Man, the impressions, right? 
Yes. Oh, so I want to um, go into, we also want to talk a, a little bit about or transition into this podcast, what we've been up to, what it means to us still, Girl Gang Clee, go into all of that. Um, so we're all going to kind of talk about our lives a little bit. And this is really pretty much a conversation between the three of us that we're recording that you guys all just get to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's like our, it's our group chat personified. It really is. Yes. It really is. Um so clearly I've been in my feelings lately, you guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, is this a middle life crisis I'm going through? I don't know. I mean, I don't it, think you're, I don't think you're old enough be. to go through a midlife crisis. Isn't no. that what, like 50, isn't 50 the midlife crisis? Yeah. I don't know. Like, am I going to live to be a hundred? <laughs> I mean, maybe. That's true. <laughs> well, okay. I don't want to put, I don't want to put like, I don't want to put a limit on my life, I guess. So I'll just yes. say I'm not quite there yet. It'll be like fame. You're going to live forever. That's right. But I have been feeling very overwhelmed over the last few weeks. And I think a lot of other people are feeling this way as well. And I think it's stemming from just start of a new year, obviously coming off of a very rough 2020. Um, But I've just been thinking back on my real life job and this podcast, Girl Gang Clee, and all of that. And I have to say, I feel very fortunate and lucky to have the job that I have. I have a stable income, I have health insurance, I have nothing to complain about when it comes to that. I know there are people out there that are way worse off than I am, and I acknowledge that. But I can't help but think that every week we all get on this and we chat together and we have fun and we talk about things that we love. We talk about sports, we talk about ourselves, each other, you guys make me laugh. And I just think about, I wanna do this for a living. And I'm trying so hard not to get caught up in the what ifs because I don't like to live in the past. And I tweeted about this thought that I was having because I'm like, I can't be the only one going through this or thinking these thoughts. And I was just overwhelmed with the responses that I got. Um, Some of them obviously like, yes, I totally feel this way. I get it relating to this. Um, And then some of them I just got I just got chills about the advice, about experiences that people had. And it just made me feel so much better I I guess about the track that we're on about the stage of life that I'm on I think it's for me really hard (laughs) to think like right now I feel this way but in five years will I still feel this way or you know we're we're what one just over one year in with the podcast not even Mm -hmm. a year in with girl gang clee and I just like so bad want it to be you know everything all at once do you understand that does that make sense yeah and it's it's so hard it's so hard with content specifically, and it doesn't matter whether it's sports content or if you're, say, a makeup artist and you want to do makeup videos or you want to do like cosplay videos, like whatever type of content you want to create, it takes a really long time and a lot of dedication to really, you know, get there. Because I think one of the things that's, it feels like, a lot of people who do content for a living, it feels like they just pop up overnight. Yeah. But the ones that are truly successful have been grinding for years and years and years to get to where they are. And so when I saw you tweet that, Brie, like I felt that in my soul as well. But I also know that I feel like we're on the right path right now for what we want to do with Girl Gang Clee and the podcast and just, you know, take solace in the fact that it might take a long time but as yeah. long as we keep at it you know we'll get there I mean yeah 
I will say um, the advice I got, because I feel like I have to address it because I, I wasn't able to respond to all of the comments, but it seemed like there were a couple of different categories of the advice, if that's what you want to call it, or just responses in general to my question. And one of them was go chase your dreams. You only live once, essentially. Mm-hmm. There was that crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the crowd of keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, your your real life job is paying the bill so that you can do your passion on the side, um, which I thought that was a good perspective for me um, at this moment in time. Um, and then I don't even know if there was a third bucket. I think the third bucket was really just people sharing stories of um, either themselves changing to a different career path um, and when it happened for them. And, and it was crazy because so many were like, I changed career paths like in my 40s and my 50s or I was in college and there was a lady in her 50s that was in my class with me. And just sharing experiences was just encouraging to know that regardless of any decision that I make, and I'm not going to make a decision because I'm not in the stage of my life where I can just quit my job and chase this because Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I have healthcare attached to my job. Um, I have a really great salary we are doing foster care um there's i just i need stability it's just not an option right now for me and i have little ones that i that depend depend on me um for stability so i think i'm in that middle bucket of i i gotta gut it out i know there's people that i work with that probably listen to this show and don't panic anyone um (laughs) (laughs) i'm still gonna be there (laughs) we're not taking her yet (laughs) not yet Um, but yeah, I know, Brittany, you probably want to build upon some of these same things and, and talk about, you know, what your experience has been, um, in what we're doing. So please. Yeah. So recently I've sort of, I've been quieter than usual as far as like social media and stuff goes. Cause I've, you know, I, I like you, I've sort of been in my feelings lately and I, I moved to a new place. I'm living on my own again, which I haven't done in about three years. And I remember back when I was in high school, um, all I ever wanted to do, literally, I used to say this all the time, I, I wanted to go to school for journalism and I wanted to live downtown Cleveland. Like th- those were my two Mm-hmm. bucket list items that I wanted ever since I was, you know, in high school. And I I got my place now. I'm living where I always wanted to. Um, you know, we do this podcast, which is, I, I can't tell you guys how much this means to me that we decided to do this, you know, over a year ago. And the fact that we've stuck with it, which is yep. not an easy task, especially given our schedules. You know, we all three have full-time jobs. Meredith has several jobs in the industry. Bree, you you wear many hats. <laughs> you do all the roles. And, you know, we still put out this, this product every week, which, I mean, it's not always easy. You know, we did this no. when there was no sports going on. So, you know, I just the pats on the back to us. For as much crap as we take from people on the Internet, like, it feels good to to reflect on everything and say, this is pretty cool. What we're doing is pretty cool. Um, But I want to make a distinction here because, you know, today is National Girls and Women in Sports Day, which is amazing. Um, But I've been tagged in a lot of, you know, women in sports. And as much as I love that and I appreciate that and I love people that listen to this, 
when you use the word like woman in sports, um, Meredith is a woman in sports. I am a professional copywriter who I, I'm a fan and has a sports podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we saying that what I do is the same as what someone like Meredith does. Um, to me, it, it sort of takes away what Meredith does mm -hmm. because this is this is her full time job. This is, you know, I I think in any professional setting, you know, to climb ladders and to to get to the top, there's a, a special set of obstacles and circumstances. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's across the board, I think. Um, I have always been blessed with every job that I've ever had. I've always had a female boss. And when I tell that to, you know, my mom and my sister, they're like, I don't know how you do it. Women are so catty. I love working for women. And it's nothing against men. I, I, I love men, too. But, you know, there's something. It, it, every female boss I've ever had has become like a friend to me. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not in the sports industry. So I think sometimes you know, think about people like Meredith or Aditi or, yeah. you know, Doris, but people who are in this industry, before we go throwing around that term, you know, women in sports. I tweet about sports. We have a podcast about sports. I love sports. Um, but I'm not a woman in sports. And, you know, I, not yet. again, I love, <laughs> I love that, that people refer to me as such or that they would even think of or consider me as a woman in sports. Um, but you know, I, I feel like it's not fair to people who have jumped through all these hoops and done all this it, for someone like me who has a full-time job outside of sports mm -hmm. to be, you know, I don't know. You, it's you know our, pa saying? it's our passion. It's Meredith's yes. profession. Yes. Essentially. That's, that's it. And I would, I, I'm with you, Brie. I would love to do this full time and I would love to, but you know, bills got to be paid. <laughs> that's and right. I am not good enough to, to be on air anywhere. Like this is just something that we do for fun. We love talking to each other. We love talking about sports and we're so happy that you guys like listening because this, this is almost like therapy for us yes. every week. Like we're just, we get to sit here and, and chat with our girlfriends and I love it. Um, but you know, it's it is a passion. I I have a, a a profession that's you know it's it's not glamorous or anything, but <laughs> it pays. It's fine. It's fun sometimes. <laughs> it's fun. You know, I sort of. Here's my thing. When I I wanted to be a, a journalist, I wanted to to get into sports and tell stories because I loved ESPN magazine. That was like the holy grail for me when I was, you know, um, in high school and in college. I loved reading their stories about athletes. And I was like, I want to tell stories like that. But, you know, once I actually got into reporting, it's, uh, number one, it didn't pay very much. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure anyone can attest to that. <laughs> yes. So uh, I was living on my own. And I was like, I have to find a different avenue. I have to take, you know, my writing to other places. So I, I sold out and became a copywriter because, you know, money. And that's what I do now. And, you know. Can I but, pause for a minute, yeah. Britt? Because I want to touch on something. You talked about this podcast, what we've been doing for the last, I don't know, year and three months or so. And I just have to say, I'm so proud of you. 
because I remember when we talked about this podcast, um, and Meredith, you can attest to this too. Mm-hmm. I don't think Brittany like felt comfortable talking. I don't think oh, she, no. this was a platform that she was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, that's not what I do. I, I write. I tweet yes. things. I don't want to talk. Brittany, you have come so you're like watching Layla play basketball like this is what it has become like you have blossomed and I just think it's beautiful I know and I you guys are gonna make me cry I'm gonna cry I will say this I have I have helped a lot of podcasters behind the scenes get things started um and try to help them improve their content because like you said that's literally my day job um and I just remember one time and this may have been two or three months into doing this podcast, Brie, I think you were out of town and Brittany wanted to do like an AMA or something. And so I was like, okay, well, this is how we're going to structure it. And and it's normally what I would have told podcasters to make sure that, you know, it sounds good, that it flows well. And Brittany was like, oh yeah, no, I already did all that. And I was like, okay. Like that, I think that was the moment that I knew we were going somewhere. I was like, all of these boys that I have to coach in in the podcast realm and help them out like i didn't even need to tell britney what to do she just instinctively knew to do it in order to make things sound good and flow well and that's just i was so i was just so impressed and i grow more and more impressed every single day that we do this so i just I, i wanted to to tell you about that Oh my God, you guys are seriously going to make me cry. And it is true. I absolutely did not. I held out on doing a podcast for as long as I possibly <laughs> could. Because I had, you know, people had asked me to do it before. And I was like, uh, absolutely not. I, I, am a, I hate my voice, number one. Also, can we talk about how I listen to our podcast on 1.5 speed and I sound exactly the same and you guys sound like chipmunks? <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Like, I don't even if I put exactly it on, like, two times speed, it still sounds, like, I don't sound much different. And you guys are like, beep, 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 and I'm like, <laughs> It could just be the cadence with, way, with, with the way we talk, too. Because I know I talk really fast sometimes. Yes. Um, and I think, I think for me, that's just a product of growing up being the youngest child, growing up being one of the only girls in my family on both sides of my family. Uh, being in an industry that's very heavily dominated by males, I feel like if I don't talk fast, someone's going to interrupt me before I get my point out. Like, that's I one of the reasons that. why I talk Interesting. Fast. Yeah. I like that. That's a, that's interesting. I'm also the youngest, and people, I don't know, I, I should probably just start screaming everything all the time or snorting. <laughs> people seem to like it when they I do. snort. They do. That it's is so, a it's bit, so really funny. popular thing. So maybe I'll just start snorting my way through life, and then they'll pay attention to me. It's so good. I love it. That's the plan. Snorting through life. <laughs> snorting through life. That's, that's very true. People do react to the snorts. <laughs> you have they an do. iconic snort (laughs) iconic i love it um well i feel like this is a very good reminder of just reminding everyone why we started girl gang clee and the podcast um it's all being tied together with a bow but um as Brittany said we and we've talked about this too on on the podcast but we birthed this podcast because we felt like the perspective of women on sports we weren't hearing that from mm-hmm. from the market, um, the local market at least. And we wanted to change that, even if no one listened. Uh, we wanted to still do this for ourselves. 
as Brittany mentioned, we love chatting with each other. We have a group chat that literally happens nonstop from the moment we wake to the moment we go to bed. Um, And it just, it kind of just carries into what this show is. And as we've talked about too, we all wear many different hats. We have real life jobs outside of this podcast. Uh, I'm a mom. Um, Meredith has her real life job in sports that is very interesting. And a lot of our listeners find that very interesting. And then as Brittany said, she's a copywriter. And so we know that there's just more to us than this podcast. Um, But we also know that there's a lot of people out there like us that have a different perspective and want to hear things differently. And that's why we birthed Girl Gang Clee. And we know that it says girl, but we have a lot of men in our gang as well. And I think mm-hmm. gang maybe has a negative con- connotation or I see people out there um, using it against us. Like, oh, the gang is after you. And that's not <laughs> at all what we intended this to be. Um, we, we're we positive. You guys all know that. We are positive people. We're positive about sports, but we're positive about life. Um, and our intent is not to bash people all day long on the internet or call people out or Go after our trolls. Sure, there are times when it, it gets to be a lot um, and we don't want to be attacked on the internet. And some of the stuff that people say to us um, should be called out. But our intent is to build a community of people that are just as passionate about we are, about our sports in this town, as well as life and the things that we do outside of sports and our fandom. Um, and that's what we want this show to be. And that's what we want Girl Gang Clee to ultimately be. That's That's it. And Girl Gang Clee is an actual business. I have people that are like, well, what is it? No, it's it's an LLC. Like, it's legit. We pay taxes on it. We have to file for them. We do. Like, we do. Thing. Yeah, we have a certificate. Like to... Yes. We are <laughs> like adult. Okay, guys? Girl we gang, are big Girl gang, Girl Gang CLE has a tax ID. The United States government is aware yes. we exist. That is right. Yes. yes. Actually, you know, we'd like to, to grow that and... Uh, focus on that make more content for it do all that stuff that's why we, that's why we we started this because we want to have our own little place where our stuff can live and um you know eventually we're gonna make it there but baby steps like you said mary not everything happens all at once yes it's yeah and process. i and i would love to point out um lindsay okay we had her on the podcast earlier in the season to mm-hmm. talk about the ravens and the browns and that's exactly what she's doing like she worked for places like USA Today and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and other media outlets. And she was like, I love this, but I can't do this for somebody else. And she is out there doing her thing and making a living off of creating sports content every single day. And, you know, like she is, you know, she's a friend of the pod and a, you know, real life friend of ours. And I know, you know, I don't know if I speak for all of us, but I think I do when I say we all look up to her. Yeah. Because she's she's literally living the dream. Yeah, she's doing exactly what we would love to do one day and be a yeah. real woman in sports. Yeah, real and woman. I, <laughs> and I believe she will be in <laughs> she will be in Tampa this weekend covering yes, the Super Bowl she's going to as Super Bowl. media. And so I wanted to so I do want to talk about how big of an accomplishment that is, not just going to the Super Bowl as media, but the fact that she got credentialed as herself. That's awesome. I don't yes. I don't think people understand how difficult that is. Um, a lot of times with um, with sports teams and franchises and different events, 
you have to be with a legitimate media outlet in order to get a credential. Like you have to be with, you know, an ESPN or a Fox Sports or USA Today. Like you have to have a paying job with that company and that company itself has to be respected by the team franchise event whatever it is in order for them to say okay you're legitimate we are granting you access the fact that Lindsay is doing this as herself with her own paywall her own subscription and her own content the fact that they looked at her as an individual and said doing this on your own we find you legitimate here's your super bowl credential Yes. Like that is just it is mind blowing how impressive that is. Yes, it really is. Yeah. Wow. Do you guys want to um, get into a couple of sports things and then we'll go and we'll end the show with AMAs? Sure. sure. All right. So obviously, Meredith, you just mentioned the Super Bowl is this weekend. One day we'll be there, guys, getting our own credentials, our girl gang yeah. CLE credentials. Hopefully. And I mean, hopefully honestly, it'll, the Browns will be playing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I was about to say, like, if, if I myself applied for a Super Bowl credential this year, I would have been denied. Not because I don't work for a legitimate sports outlet, but they would just say, you know, we're limited on credentials. Why? Like, what what is our purpose for giving you one? You mm-hmm. know? So I would have been denied a Super Bowl credential had I applied this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the future, Meredith, we're all going to be there. Mm-hmm. Good goals to have. Um, okay, so have you guys thought a lot about the game at all? A little bit. Does it feel like Super Bowl week? No, it, it doesn't. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Well, because so they so they changed the travel plans, and normally teams go down a week before. Um, they do the Radio Row thing, which, by the way, Radio Row is chaotic as hell, and it's also very, very fun. It's literally just tables of radio stations from all over the country. Yeah just broadcasting from the Super Bowl and there's hundreds of them there and like they, that's why they call it Radio Row it's literally just like a, a hallway <laughs> in a hotel but at that hotel you've got some of the biggest names in media you've got some of the biggest names in sports you've got some of the you know biggest literally everything and like your goal when you're there as a media member as a radio station or as a newspaper is to grab as many I don't want to call them famous people but like grab as <laughs> to many interview. people as you can, yeah, to interview, and that's not happening this year. So normally we would have these, you know, big press conferences. We would have, um, you know, former players, former coaches, uh, big personalities with the NFL Network. All this, you know, all this stuff walking up and down Radio Row, just stopping at radio stations and doing interviews, and that's like a big fanfare that I think gets people excited. But we don't have that this year because everything is virtual. The teams haven't traveled yet. None of the media has traveled yet, so we don't get all of the events leading up to it. We haven't gotten the big media fanfare leading up to it. So I think that's kind of why, like, I need to remind myself every day the Super Bowl is this weekend. Yeah. Yes. I I struggled on Sunday without football. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was rough yeah. on Sunday. There was nothing to watch. I mean, there was yeah. college basketball. I know. I, I can't get into that right now. <laughs> there was hockey. Look. I know. I guess I, I need to try. I need. I actually like God. really enjoyed the playoffs, hockey playoffs last year. Yeah, I don't even see where the I, I don't know if the Blue Jackets made it last year or not. I can't remember. Didn't they like I, I, they did make no. the playoffs, right? Because I was like really into it. I was like, I become a hockey I thought fan. The Blue Jackets um, won everything. That was no. That was the crew. That was MLS. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting your Columbus team screwed up. Yeah. Well, the Blue Jackets made it. I think to the Eastern Conference Finals in I want to say either 
in 2019. I remember. Yeah, because no. Yeah, no, it was 2018 because 2019 they met the Caps in the first round. And that was the year that the Caps won the Stanley Cup. Oh, no, wait. Am I getting those? I'm, I, 2020 was such a gas leak year. So I'm trying to remember if that's I'm not going to know to correct you. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> no, it was 2018. No, I'm sorry. No, it was 2018. The Blue Jackets got knocked out of the first round by the Capitals. 2017, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's been Ooh. since 2017 that the Blue Jackets have gotten pretty far into the playoffs. Hmm. Well, I'm not interested in hockey. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll get you interested. We have to get Danny to talk to you about hockey. Danny doesn't know anything about it. He probably knows less about hockey than I do. Well, that was like always the funny bit when he was up in Minnesota. I would always ask him because like Minnesota is, is a huge hockey state. So I would always ask him like, hey, like what, what's going on with the wild, Danny? Tell me about the team. What's, and I would just constantly badger him about hockey stuff. And he would pretend to know. And it was it was a fun bit. It was a funny little Twitter bit we did. Aw, little Twitter bits. Yeah. You know, we, he and I, we met because of a Twitter bit. Did you know that? Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, we I know that, to, like... We well, used to um, call teams frauds. <laughs> oh, that was the that? bit? I don't know, because I do know that you guys were connected through Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like, we used to, like, like... I knew that... We used to, like, cutely flirt... And I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, watching college football. I'd be like, oh, Georgia, fraud. And then I'd tag him in it. Oh, and then I do remember frauds. that. And I was like, oh, this guy's kind of cute. Whoa. <laughs> Sup? <laughs> how you live in. Yeah. How you now live in. I do. Now that you mention it, I remember the fraud bit and I loved yes. it. And that's when Frauds. I would, that's, that's, I feel like that's when I started planting the seeds of, hey, you should ask her out. <laughs> Amazing. A love story. Yeah. There you I go. know. It's all it's it takes, our... guys. <laughs> Just call people frauds. Modern <laughs> love, love with you. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited for the Super Bowl ish. I mean, I'm working a double on Sunday, and I probably won't be off of work until like eight or eight thirty. So I think I'm just kind of looking forward to being able to just like sprawl out on the couch and watch a football game. Who's um the halftime show? I don't even know. The weekend. the weekend. Oh yes, I love yes. him. That's okay, what I'm looking forward to. Forward to. And the then game, apparently, I don't care about. I think Miley Cyrus is like hosting some kind of pregame concert on TikTok or something. Oh, Miley, I love Miley Cyrus. She is a nut job, and I love her to death. Who I am um, going to win the game. I, I thought like way too much about Tom Brady on my way on my drive home today. Oh no. Yeah, I don't. Well, my husband's a big Tom Brady fan because he went to Michigan. That's oh no. So annoying. Um, but I was just thinking though, like it is pretty incredible. He's freaking 43. I I just slathered tiger bomb all over my shoulders because I stood all day. Like this man is playing in a Super Bowl. I tweeted the other day. I just, I wrote, I'm ibuprofen for breakfast years old. Yeah, that's the truth. (laughs) I I just like, it is like, it's just incredible that he is still playing football in a super bowl and like i I, i'm not like i'm not a fan by any means i i don't really like him all that much and i don't even know why i don't like him i just i guess i just don't like watching greatness continuously even though (laughs) we had that with lebron and we have that with lebron in a sense i don't hate lebron um i'm biased i guess to cleveland but i i was like i don't really want him to go to the super bowl but i also hate aaron Rodgers more so I'm, i was happy he won 
Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't know. Is it cool if a 43-year-old dude wins it? I have a theory about Tom Brady. I So we know that Drew Brees retired this year, and it was mostly because his body just could not handle football any longer. I mean, and Andrew Luck retired for the same reason way earlier than he should have. Like, I... I love Andrew Luck. I was so upset when he decided to retire because I just there were so many more years left in him. But my theory about Tom Brady is that he's never going to retire and that he is going to continue to play football. And like once his body starts breaking down, he's going to use his masked fortune to give himself bionic limbs. (laughs) And here's the reason, because Tom Brady's entire personality is football and TB12. That's it. Like, there is nothing else to Tom Brady. So the minute he retires, he's just going to be a shell of a human. So, like, he can't he can't retire because he's made football his entire personality. And if he does retire, then it he's probably just going to remind himself that he's n- never going to be as great as his wife, Giselle. Wow. That's deep, that Mare. deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's given this a lot of thought. She has. More thought than my drive home. I, I, just, I think he I think he's kind of funny though no oh he's hilarious here's the thing I used to not like Tom Brady but then he started making the TikToks yes of, like after the games and he did that one where he's like uh what's that song oh when he like he was poking fun at himself because he was supposed to be blocking someone and he just got out of the way and like he compared himself to like a monster truck <laughs> and it had that song player it's like here I go again on my own and like he's just moving out of the way that was the moment that I was like all right I think I'm now team Tom and something he tweets hilarious shit he is like, he is funny stuff. and his Instagram post same thing like he's funny yes I don't see yes. I don't follow him on any social medias maybe I need to I just I I want to I want to see Patrick Mahomes win. Like, I just think it'd be fun to see Pat Mahomes win back to back. Like one of my colleagues today said that he thinks that Pat Mahomes has, or excuse me, Patrick Mahomes has the ability to be like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you know, and we don't really know quite yet because he is so young. Yeah. But I'm just like, I love him and I want to see him like get to that point where we're talking about Patrick Mahomes the same way we talk about Tom Brady so I just I don't know I think now I think last year was the start of his legacy and I just want to see him continue because I mean how powerful would that be for Patrick Mahomes to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl like that's a huge accomplishment I want to see it so I'm 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 team this weekend Patty Mahomes is like that successful for so many years that means the Browns won't be (laughs) right I mean (laughs) So I think it all, the, the world thing. revolves think, around the Cleveland Browns. It That's for sure does. For sure does. <laughs> but I do. I like. I. I think that the Browns have the ability to beat the Chiefs. It's. I mean, they almost beat the Chiefs in the playoffs this year. They came very, very close. You know, they're just Don't missing a few pieces. You know, but is it gonna pieces, be? But... Is it gonna be like Meredith though? The Cavs in the Warriors. So like when LeBron came back and the Cavs were good, even before Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. That Cavs team, that championship caliber Cavs team, had to face the freaking monster Warriors team the entire time. And we got one championship out of it. Great. I love that championship. But isn't it like, isn't that the kind of the same thing that's happening where if the Browns reach their peak Brownsdom in the future, it, they're going to have to face this Patrick Mahomes monster powerhouse team? Like that freaking sucks. Yes. I mean, I, yeah, in a sense. But it, I mean, how much, I don't know. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be such such great 
PR for the Browns. I think it would be great for their brand if people are looking at the Chiefs and the Browns as a rivalry. At, yeah, yeah. And, and to look at them the way they look at the Cavaliers and Golden State. You know, like it's just because for a while it was always, you know, the path to the finals was through the Cavs. The path to the finals was through Golden State. And to have that kind of caliber team to people to have people looking at your team like they're the most dangerous team in the league. Like that's just I think that erases so much pain from the past for the Cleveland Browns because there have been the Browns have been the laughing stock, the bottom of the barrel of the league for longer than they should have been. So I don't know. Maybe I would like to see the uh, the great Baker Mayfield Patrick Mahomes rivalry. There you go. Yeah. It's willed into existence. Yes, they'll they're they're Steph Curry and LeBron. I hope go. so. I hope so. Because I mean, how much? Because that's going to be a lot of really fun football for this town for years to come. If that's what it what it turns into. Let's hope so. Let's hope. Yes. For all of us, and all those miserable Baker haters. <laughs> um, all oh, right. So I just, yeah, go. You Baker haters. So Akbar Bajabiamila, who is on the NFL Network, he also hosts American Ninja Warrior. Last year, he called Baker Mayfield a bum, and today he retracted that statement and he said Baker Mayfield proved me wrong. Oh, Ooh, he said. He said, and I quote: "Baker May." He said, "Bum now stands for." Baker, unbelievable Mayfield. Oh, there you go. Changing his tune. That's why you don't make these outlandish statements like right? that. <laughs> so I just, I, I love that Baker Mayfield is not only proving people wrong, he's getting people to change their minds and, you know, really loud, prominent voices in the industry like Akbar. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was, love my, it. That was my, my Welcome aboard. On, on Baker. Yes. Um, okay, we'll wrap up with our sports. We have to talk about, about the Mickey Calloway thing. I know, Meredith, um, you've been waiting to talk about this, so I'm going to turn the mic over to you, and then we'll wrap up with AMAs. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to need to um, end the podcast on something fun yes. and light, like AMAs, because this Mickey Calloway stuff is – it's really tough to stomach. Um, also, <laughs> to say I'm, like, not surprised. Um, just and, – and this type of thing happens – all the time um i would say every single woman in the sports industry has had something similar to this happen to her like i you know when when you talk about assault and sexual assault among women there's always the stat like four out of five women have been sexually assaulted like women in sports five out of five women in sports have been sexually assaulted and that's just the the it's the sad reality um and that part is so upsetting and then the angels decided to suspend him and everyone's going up in arms like oh why aren't they firing him well what he did and this is just it's it kind of makes me a little sick because it just i'm going to try and get through this without getting too angry or too upset um the reason they suspended him and not fired him was because he claimed no wrongdoing and in the state of california if you are accused of something uh, and you say, no, I didn't do that thing, then you are you have the right to an investigation to the due process, which that's a good system so that someone doesn't get convicted or punished for a crime or an issue that they did not do or did not commit. The problem is Mickey Calloway is not invoking this investigation in good faith. Um, he's not because there is 
evidence, screenshots that he is that he did what this these women accused him of doing. Um, the reason he is forcing an investigation is because he's trying to discredit his accusers because I mean, and we have seen this so many times where someone very clearly commits a crime, but somewhere along the line, evidence gets thrown out and then that person is not convicted of that crime. And then they can go around for the rest of their lives and say, well, you can't accuse me of doing X, Y, Z because I was never convicted. And I think that's what Mickey Calloway is trying to do here. So even though we know he did it, there's evidence that he did it. There were five women across the country different outlets, different markets everywhere who all have the exact same story. We know he did it, but if something happens where evidence gets thrown out, then all of the sudden the people who want to run to his defense say, well, he was never convicted. And I'm, and I'm using the word convicted loosely because he's definitely, you know, because he's not going to be on trial. He's not going to go to jail um, because, you know, things, what he was doing wasn't, you know, it wasn't illegal. Unfortunately, it should be, but you know, so I use the term convicted very loosely here, but if he doesn't, I guess, get the, the proven, then he can just say, oh, yeah, these women said that I did that, but I was never convicted. Like, that's why he's invoking this investigation. He's doing it in bad faith and it discredits the accusers and it makes it harder for women yep. to come forward. Um, because here's the thing, like, we don't gain anything by coming right. forward because the minute a woman accuses a man of wrongdoing, the immediate defense is innocent until proven guilty. Right. You know, she must be lying. She gets shamed. She exactly. gets she gets picked apart. You know, what when, was she when, wearing? Exactly. You know, when Courtney Smith came out with the allegations against her husband at Ohio State against Zach Smith, everyone was immediate. Well, she's trying to get money out of it. Her character was torn apart. Her family was torn apart. Like she did not enjoy that. She did not want that. She just wanted justice for herself and her children. So the reason why I wanted to talk about Mickey Calloway is this is why, this is what we mean when we say believe women. This is what we say when we say believe victims because men can fall victim of this too. But, you know, and I think the issue is, is like if you learn that someone that you like, like Mickey Calloway or even Omar Vascal, because he's been accused of beating his wife as well you know or if there's someone you love like your your brother your father your teammate your best friend whatever if they've been accused of harassment or domestic violence or something worse and your first instinct to, is to say what if she's lying then you're part of the problem right and you need to take a step back and you need to hold the people in your life accountable if that's what they're doing you know and i think that's the best way that you can become an ally and be a true ally to women. And it's the same thing with other marginalized groups, whether, you know, it's black, Asian and the LGBTQ plus community, you know, the, the indigenous community, like listen to us mm -hmm. when we tell us what your, what our problems are. And if you can see and hear and recognize that behavior, hold those people accountable and don't say, well, what if she's lying? Because we don't gain anything from lying. Do you want to know what I notice when um, women like us speak out on things like this while we also root for a Browns team that employs Kareem Hunt? Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. the people that want to call us out for our hypocrisy because we root for the Browns who employ Kareem Hunt. And I just have to say, none of us have defended what Kareem Hunt did. We've all, all. denounced what he did. Kareem never denied it either. Um, I don't believe. Like, he owned up to what he did as well. Um, and I, this this really goes back to the whole Chad Wheeler thing, like when that whole thing was going on of, mm-hmm. you know, we were speaking out against that and we were upset about that, rightfully so. And a lot of people were trying to spin it back on us as if we are part of the problem. Um, and I just wanted to address that really quickly, too, because none of us have ever said, yeah, Kareem's a great guy and we love him and we support him. No, we didn't support what he did. We've, we've never once tried to do that. But this Chad guy, it, it's horrible and he also is denying it and oh, yeah. claiming that he yeah. he's blaming it on his him being bipolar and and i'm yes. sorry but that's not those are not the, they're not parallels at all no. kareem got help um immediately um and it was assault domestic violence and assault also are not the same thing neither of them are great right, right? but they're also not the same thing mm-hmm. yes oh it's heavy all of this is yeah. heavy I know, and, and it's tough because these things have, have been coming out, and I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, my biggest issue with situations like um, Chad Wheeler, with situations like Tyreek Hill, um, and even Kareem Hunt at the time, um, you know, it wasn't, when when those situations happened, it was, oh, well, the, the NFL is going to handle this internally, we're going to do an internal investigation, we're going to do this internally. Like, mm-hmm. if I had a boyfriend... And one day I beat my boyfriend within an inch of his life. Do you think my employer is going to say, oh, we'll handle this internally? No. No. My ass is going to be in jail. Right. Exactly. And that's the and that is the thing that bothers me the most with with sports leagues, because I saw this happen in hockey. I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name, but there was um, a player with the Nashville Predators who I think like two years ago beat his girlfriend really badly. I mean, and he was suspended and I think he's back playing in the league. And I'm just like, why was he not arrested? Right. You like know, when you're applying, these... when you're applying for jobs, like you typically have to do a background check. Exactly. And you yes. could not get employed because of that. But in these professional sports leagues, it's like, ah, whatever, we'll just look by it because you're a really good athlete. You're really good at what you do. Yeah. We'll handle it internally. No, like I, <clears throat> I just, I, I want athletes and even people with just a lot of money, I want them to be held to the same standard that the rest of us are. So yeah, like, if yes. I go out and I assault somebody, I'm going to get arrested. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a football player goes out <clears throat> and assaults somebody, then they deserve to be arrested too. You know, not, oh, we'll handle this internally with the NFL. And and let's also like remind everyone that NFL players are considered freelancers in like in the NFL the reason they get salary and benefits and all that other stuff is because they have a union because of the players association but they're considered like by when we talk about you know the taxes and the U.S. government they're seen as freelancers by definition by the U.S. government so you know like I I have a job that's freelance or that I'm you know on the payroll as freelance and they would be like oh well we're just not going to give you assignments anymore because we don't want to be associated with you if I were to go out and do something you know that heinous so that just it's it's tough and we have a long way to go um and i think the best way to start is for men to start being our allies yeah 
And I think this is a good reminder, too. If you were boycotting the NFL for players kneeling to bring light to social injustice and racial equality, then maybe you should be more upset about things like this. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. Um, Brittany, I forgot to mention before we transition into the AMAs, I had to bring up you. You talked about your full time job, but you also have a part time job. And I need you to bring this up because I think our listeners will care about this. Yes. So because I am a woman of the people and, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to really get my way into sports and I want to make this a full-time gig eventually. But in the meantime, I've taken on a part-time role of Pete Smith distractor. So (laughs) I've noticed that that Pete Smith has started – a, a war on Twitter with his Jarvis Landry takes. And that, I'm sorry, guys, it's just a hill that he's going to die on. Like, he will die on that hill. He's not, he's going to cling to it, I promise you. So, in an effort to be a peacemaker, in an effort to bring us all together, unity and all that stuff, I am offering um arguments with pete smith about joe biden versus bernie sanders and i do this i provide this service from 5 p.m to 11 p.m uh every day just because i i see and how overtime, you guys are I see that you guys don't like the pete, the the jarvis landry takes and i get it so you know i'm i'm bringing us all together and i am the pete smith distractor now that is my my part-time job the hero we deserve that's right yes not all heroes wear capes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brittany, I think you're going to be working overtime. So good luck. I, I will do my best. <laughs> and, it, you know, it really sucks because he knows I love Joe Biden. So here we are, and I'm, I'm offering this so that he could tear him apart to take him away from you guys and upsetting you guys. So how's that? How's there that for being a team That's, player? That I mean. is a selfless act. You deserve. Yeah. She deserves a medal. Like we, we need to create like a Britney Mollis Day to celebrate the sacrifices that she has made for us. There you go. I mean, you know, one day I'm gonna run for Congress, and this will be my platform. Like, remember who <laughs> took Pete Smith away from Jarvis Landry? <laughs> I'm just waiting for Pete Smith to call out the Austin Hooper production versus his contract because that's the one I'm really curious about. Like, Listen, I think we right? should just have Pete Smith on the show sometime and just air it all out. Yeah, but Just then he's going to, like, talk about money and contracts, and then he'll probably have, like, three mock drafts to go over. And, like, I mentally, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. We don't It'll get... It'll just be him <laughs> talking in cricket. Yeah. He starts I mean, talking I'm... about financial and contracts. We're like, like This is not I'm, our full-time I've, job, Pete. <laughs> I've argued with people like him before. They are so... They cling to their numbers so bad. And any argument that you have, they have a stat to counter it. And it doesn't matter if the stat is relevant They'll find a way to use that stat against your argument. Like, it's just, it's circles. It's never ending. Listen, though, he is pretty funny, even when he's being a jerk about stuff. Like, I will give him that much. He tweeted something earlier that was hilarious. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. It was about the Cavs. Oh, okay. He said, the Cavs are facing a similar dilemma as the Browns. A younger, more productive player versus higher priced, more name brand option. We know which way the Cavs are going to go. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, so that's before we even consider its impact beyond the court. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm out of words. <laughs> I, just, I am too. I just, <laughs> I don't have the energy to argue like that, Brittany. So I just, I'm, I'm gonna send you, I'm gonna send you a latte tomorrow. I'm gonna send you some Dunkin'. 
You know, everyone send me some Duncan. This is going to be the toughest job of my life. (laughs) And you're going to need all of the coffee you can get. All right. Should we end the show with some AMAs? We've had a long podcast, but it's been good. We just want to give people more content. Yeah, we could save some of these for next week, too. I don't want people to think that we're not doing this, but, you know, it's already kind of long now. So let's just go through a couple of these. Yeah, we'll go through a couple. That's a good idea. And then we'll carry over into next week. So if you don't hear yours, don't worry. We'll get to it. All right. Um, Meredith. Adam, friend of the show, wants to know how you got your start in sports radio. Um, well, I told you guys it was an accident and you laughed. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. (laughs) It really was. So, (laughs) so, well, my original major in college was astrophysics. Like I thought I was going to be some great scientist and I was going to create new discoveries. And then I realized that nobody has made any new physics discoveries in like 500 years. Um, also I wasn't passionate about it. I was just good. Um, and I think that's also, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you necessarily need to pursue it. You need to do what makes you happy. And and at the time, physics didn't make me happy. And so um, I switched my major to music. And then eventually I added uh, broadcast journalism. So I've got two degrees, one in music, one in broadcast journalism. And I was interning at a, a, a country radio station uh, when I was a junior in college, I guess. And there was a news talk station within the same cluster and for two hours every night from 5 to 7 p.m that news talk station had a sports show and i don't remember how or why but i overheard the host during a commercial break one time talking about baseball he said something about the orioles which you know the Na- i hadn't gotten into the nationals at that point they were still a, a baby franchise um you know and i had been cheering for the orioles my whole life up to that point because that was the only team i knew and I don't remember what he said, but I remember it got under my skin. So like, like 19 year old me, like I just, I wish I had the audacity. I wish I still had the audacity <laughs> of 19 year old me. I busted my ass into that studio during a commercial break. And I said, sir, you are wrong. And I argued with him about baseball. And I don't even remember what came of that conversation, but I know I just had to leave eventually because I had an assignment that I had to do and he had to get back on the air. I just busted my ass straight in that studio and said, no, you're wrong. The very next day, um, I get called into the program director's office and I'm like, oh shit, I'm getting fired or something. And and the uh, the program director goes, he's like, how do you feel about sports radio? I was like, I don't know. I never really thought about it. And he was like, well, you really made an impression on the host yesterday and he wants you to learn how to run his show. And that that was it. And then I started, you know, learning how to do sports radio. And I did that job part time for um, a few years. And then right when I was graduating college, um, one of the radio stations in D.C. in my hometown was flipping to sports. So I was like, well, I've been doing sports radio or, you know, something similar for a while. I've been working in public radio since I was 18. So I emailed the program director. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm graduating from college in four months. This is my resume. This is my experience. Um, you know, let me know what kind of jobs you have available. And eight months later, I got an email back. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm working in sports radio. So like it was I like my plan was to work in radio. Like that's why I was in journalism but I thought I was going to do like music I thought I was going to be like a wacky morning show DJ you know on some music station but you know I 
just because I've been I've loved sports my whole life and I've been passionate about sports my whole life and just you know that one day of just having the audacity to run into a studio and argue with an adult man about baseball just I that's how I got my start in sports radio so yeah when I when I say it's by accident like it it was really by accident and I wouldn't have it any other way like I absolutely love my job and I love what I do and you know and I want you know someday for you guys to be doing this as your day job as well I love that story yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many times. I don't know if I've like told that story like public. Like some people know that story, but not many. I love it. Um, okay, let's read another one here. I have a daughter interested in sports journalism. Any advice? This comes from a man named at Craze Dingo. <laughs> he has a dingo baby. <laughs> the dingo ho baby. <laughs> Any advice? Well, you know, I'm not a journalist. Me neither. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would say don't be afraid to move, uh, for one thing. Um, I know that everyone's dream is to cover the sport and the team that they grew up cheering for. Um, But that's going to be especially difficult if you grew up in a big market. Like for me, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I was very lucky that my first big girl sports job was there. But that's not typical. Um. So I would say don't be afraid to move. Um, don't be afraid to start in a really small market. Um, because honestly, that's that's how you're going to get your start, really. And that's how most journalists, whether it's sports, politics, um, newspaper, magazine, it doesn't really matter. They all got their start doing something in a smaller market for a smaller newspaper or a smaller company. Um, like that's where you gain your experience. Um, and that's where you start to learn how to network. So don't be afraid to move, um, you know, especially if it's far away from home, because you can always go back home someday. You know, like you're, that, that, like say you were born and raised in Cleveland and your dream is to cover the Cleveland Browns. Um, but, you know, Cleveland's not a, a big top 10 market, but it's still a very big market. And the Browns are a very big team. Um, you know, and so just because you might go to, I don't know, Paducah, Kentucky, and do high school football there, that doesn't mean you can't come back to Cleveland and do it. So, you know, don't be afraid to go to a town you've never heard of in the middle of the country because that's where you're going to get your experience. Um, And then the other advice that I would have is never stop grinding. (laughs) Um, And I know that just that sounds weird, but um, people like Colin Cowherd look like they're sitting on a gold throne in an ivory tower. But a lot of people don't understand how hard Colin Cowherd has worked his entire life to get there. Um, And you're never going to stop working like Colin Cowherd still to this day, even though people don't like his takes or they don't like his show. That's fine. But I guarantee you that man is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, And that's just what this industry calls for. So if you get lazy or if you don't work as hard as the person next to you, you're going to be left behind. So I think that would probably be my two biggest pieces of advice is, yeah, don't be afraid to move and um, just always be working harder than the person next to you. Hey, props for Craze Dingo, too, for asking the question for his daughter. I mean, sounds like she has yeah. a pretty supportive. I'm assuming this. I don't know if this is a guy or a girl, but supportive parent. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, like women are breaking glass ceilings in this industry every single day, and that's just going to make it that much easier for your daughter to get in. 
Mm-hmm. So, and keep encouraging her. That's my advice to you. Keep encouraging her. You guys want to take two more and then we'll save the rest for next yeah, week? Yeah, you, you guys need to take some questions. I've talked too much. <laughs> Ooh, let me pick one here. Um, let's see. Ooh, I like this last one. <laughs> Small slash weird things <laughs> that irritated you in the in past slash present relationships from your partner. This came from Dear Dearth Dog Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where do I start? Well, you know what? Let's just end on this one because this is gonna be a funny one, I think. Okay. Um, okay, so mine like really genuinely irritating things. Okay, so I used to live with the man, and oh my god, he used to shave his beard, and there would just be hair yeah. everywhere no. in the sink, all over the counter in the bathroom, just everywhere. Like, they don't know how to clean up after themselves, just hair. But more recently, um, you know, Danny, when, <laughs> when I'm around him and I yawn, he thinks it's hilarious to put his finger in my mouth. Oh, and no! To ruin my yawn every time. And it drives me crazy. Oh, my gosh. That is weird. Danny, is his palm so sweaty? Annoying. Danny, oh, we are in the... Danny, also, cracking are... my knuckles. He steals my hand and then cracks all my knuckles. Oh, no. Well, okay. Firstly, we are in a pandemic Lovato. He should not be sticking his fingers in your mouth. Yes, there you go. Make sure he sanitizes it's first. It's unsanitary. And <laughs> they're is, all wet. We, it's just bad. We are in a global panorama, people. <laughs> so those are my two. Oh, wow. Those were good. Those were solid. Um, okay, wow. I feel like I could have a lot. I should have listed this out and prioritized, like, number one. Um, okay, so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um but, like, my husband is a great dad. He's a great husband. He helps out. However, he needs a lot of prompting. So one of my biggest pet peeves, I think, is just the fact that he's willing to help out. But it's constant reminders or I have to make a list. So it's, it's like, I don't want to have to tell you. I just want you to do it. So it's always like I just end up doing it. Well, I would have done that if you would have just told me. Well, nobody told me to do it. I saw that it needed done, so I did it. Uh, so that, like, that continuously is our biggest gripe. Um, I think the other, like, this is, like, this is also weird. I don't know why it bothers me, but he clips his fingernails, like, in the garage. Because <laughs> he doesn't like the fingernail clippings to be, I guess... I don't know, like just. So he just like goes out into the garage specifically. It's so funny because it's like you you would like think he's like going out to smoke a cigarette or something. He's like, no, I'm just clipping my nails. I mean, you can always you can clip them over the garden. That's what I do. I know I don't understand, but like it drives me crazy because I'll be like, our garage is like off of the kitchen, so I'll be like in the kitchen cooking, and I can still hear like fingernail clipping is like the loudest noise in the world, and I hate it. So I'm like cooking and I can hear the fingernails being clipped in the garage. <laughs> I can't believe I just outed him. Oh my god, that's so funny. Um I, I'll I'll do one. I, I'm not dating anybody currently, but Hint hint. Been... Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> there's Valentine's one... Day is coming up. <laughs> you guys are my Valentine's, okay? Aww. I am stealing you from Jeff and Danny, and there's nothing they can do about it. 
<laughs> um, so there's like one common theme of like any guy that I've been with for like a long period of time. And when I say long period of time, I mean like more than a few months. They never have their heat on ever. Yes. Um, and so like I would say recently, maybe like two years ago, I was dating somebody um, here in Ohio and he lived in a duplex and he just like didn't want to turn his heat on and his bedroom was in the like essentially like i guess it was the attic of of his duplex and it was so cold but like you know he had a million blankets on the bed and he had a heated blanket and it's like nice warm and cozy which is great but then he would like get mad at me if i had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night because like i would wash my hands and the water would be freezing cold and i wouldn't sit there for 10 minutes to wait for it to heat up so i just you know wash my hands with soap and cold water and then he would like get mad at me when i came back to bed with freezing cold hands and i'm like Maybe if you turned your heat on. Meredith, I have to say. Heat up a little bit faster. Meredith, I have to say, I... I'm very warm bodied, I guess. I get sweaty hands, sweaty palms, <laughs> sweaty feet. Like you guys all know this. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> but my husband is always cold when we go to bed. He has cold hands, cold feet, and he always comes over to steal my heat. And I get so mad because I'm like, don't. I was like, I am so warm right now and hot and comfortable. And he comes over and he puts his feet in between my legs. He puts his hands and I'm like, you are stealing my warmth and I don't like it. Can I get PG-13 for a minute? Yes. The last the guy that I was dating. Oh, no. It was, he got, he got, he was getting so mad that, like, my hands were freezing. And it was, like, the middle of the night, too. And so we were both, like, cranky. And so he, like, grabbed his butt with my freezing cold hands. I thought you were going to say something else. No. <laughs> like, where is this going? I said PG-13, not X, okay? Did it retreat? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just took it there. I told you it was PG-13. I grabbed his butt. That's PG. his butt. <laughs> Listen, and hands, then what? My, he got Brittany. mad and almost kicked me. I was almost sleeping on the couch that night, which oh. made me better because it was on the bottom floor. Well, you got know. mad because you grabbed his butt? Well, because my hands were freezing cold. I feel like my butt is always cold. Like no matter what I do, <laughs> even if I'm like sweating and I'm hot, my butt, my butt and my nose are always cold, no matter what. <laughs> Go figure. Oh, the bodies are weird. Bodies are weird I things. It's so weird. Oh well, that was a great way to end the show. Great way to end the show. Yes. This was a long one, but this was good. This was fun. Yes, it was therapeutic um, for at points for sure. Yes. For sure. It's Absolutely. it's slow in the sports world, especially the Cleveland sports world. But we'll we'll have plenty of things to talk about as we go into next week. And I, a couple of people had sent me text messages about our thoughts on like rumors, trade rumors with the Browns. So we'll see if any yeah. of those um, come and to we'll surface to get into some Cavs thoughts. Yes, because sure, um, I texted you guys earlier about this. We might get into this next week, um, but everyone wants to trade Andre Drummond. and It's making me sad. So. Oh, yes. We can we can talk about that next. Oh week. yeah, that's a good um, that's a good teaser. So you have to tune in next week to hear that chat. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Um, again, thank you for downloading us, listening to us. Please don't forget to rate and review us. We appreciate reading all of your feedback. Um, again, hit us up on Twitter if you have any more questions. We'll get to the rest of them next week. But we will plan on talking to you all then. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>